wondering. But we are very proud of Clinton Judy and the work they're doing here at the Dallas County Service. And we're definitely thankful to all those who serve AV, children's ministry, ushering, decoration, you name it. We know it couldn't happen without you. And so it's just great to be with you this morning. I do want to start off with some good news as we've announced about the building. Construction begins this week. So very encouraging. We're just waiting on some final estimates of the part that we'll be responsible for, but uh, we will be setting up probably in some coming weeks some uh, work days for those who have the skills. We're going to need to do a lot of painting and decorating the children's ministry and things like that, but uh, it is going forward. Uh, They are estimating probably more like mid-May, end of June, but definitely by June, uh, we should be able to have our home there at our new facility. So very encouraging. All right. Well, it's been an amazing week. Here we had the incredible Easter services last week, uh, the incredible purity workshop as well uh, yesterday. I hope you got the chance to experience that. It was phenomenal, but uh, I do believe they have a a material that you'll be able to download uh, hopefully later. I think they did record them. But uh, I want to continue our series on if God is for us. You've already forgot it? Come on, we've been doing it every week. If God is for us, who can be against us? And I love this series. It's just been so much fun to look in the scriptures and see how God has been for his people. But there's always the other side of this coin. The other side of the story is how are God's people for him? And sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. And those are incredible lessons that we can take to heart. Today, I want to look at another Old Testament story. One that you probably know, you've heard of at least some point in your Christian life, and that is the story of Elijah with the confrontation of the prophets on Mount Carmel. And so we want to give a little background, though, of what what led up to this situation. See, at this point, unfortunately, the kingdom of Israel was already divided. You had the ten tribes that went to Israel and then the two tribes of Judah. This was also during the reign of one of the most wicked kings of Israel, Ahab. Uh, not, Not very encouraging or spiritual leader for sure for Israel. It was also a desperate time physically and spiritually. Many of the prophets were being hunted down by Jezebel, which was Ahab's wife, and so many of God's voices was beginning to be filtered out, and the voices of false prophets and false teachers were beginning to be the louder voice. God's people had turned to the worship of Baal, which is very interesting because this led to the physical situation, is a drought. God had commanded Elijah to pray that there would be no rain, and so now three years have passed with no rain, which I find very interesting because they're worshiping a god of fertility, Baal, who is supposed to bring rain. Right there, it ought to tell you something. Wake up, Israel. (laughs) Your idol that you're worshiping is useless. So now we have this situation, but you might wonder, how did it get to that point? How did Israel get to this situation? How did this happen? Because sometimes we're in the same boat. We're worshiping God on one hand, and the next thing you know, it's like, whoa, what happened? Well, let's look at these two verses in 1 Kings. 1 Kings 16.31 says, he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam. When you start making sins trivial, you are in trouble. When you no longer call sin, sin, you just think, oh, that's just life. You're in trouble. Trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but they also married 
Jezebel, daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. How, how good was this marriage? Verse Kings 18, verse 4, while Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets. Ahab was influenced by his wife. And through that marriage, her influence affected not only Ahab, but all of Israel. Who you marry is very, very important. Our singles, our campus, our teens, who you marry could determine not only your spirituality, but the legacy of your family. We got to take very seriously the relationships we have. And I don't think it is just marriage. Bad company corrupts good character from 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Guys, who are your relationships? This negative relationship, this one relationship divided Israel was even killing the prophets of God. That was the situation that we're in. Many in Israel were probably questioning at this time, is God still for us? I mean, they were thirsty, both physically and spiritually. They saw where their kingdom was divided. They saw it was being led by a wicked king. Some were fearful for their life to even confess their faith because maybe Jezebel would make them a target. But I find it, again, interesting that it's during this period the God that they're worshiping can't even bring the rain. So let's take the story further and look at how this confrontation needed to take place. 1 Kings 18, verse 1. After a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Now, uh, we see that phrase a lot in the Old Testament. The word of the Lord came. I wonder how that was. <laughs> you ever, like, stop to just, you know, was Elijah just doing his thing? Maybe he was cooking breakfast, scrambling some eggs. And then the word of the Lord came. Like, what does that look like? What does it feel like? Like, is there this voice in your ear? Elijah, what? what, what? You know, you just stop everything, you pay attention. Was it like written on the window? I mean, I I don't know. The word of the Lord came to him. I wonder how many words of the Lord are trying to come to us, but we're too busy to see it or hear it. I mean, think about it. The Lord is trying to come to us. If you just open it up, it's all there. But if we keep it shut, it's like we're letting God leave a message. I'll get back to that later. No, the Lord... The word of the Lord came to Elijah. He said, go and present yourself to Ahab. Now, I don't know about you. If I was Elijah, wait a minute. Ahab, married to Jezebel, who's killing the prophets of God, you want me to do what? And I will send rain on the land. Okay, that's cool. I like that. You know, sometimes God's going to send us the word, and we're going to hear things we don't like. (laughs) Might even be a little dangerous. Unfortunately, where our society is going, it might be very dangerous to profess what we profess now. I don't know if you noticed that. You're seeing where we're going. Now, I believe God's in control, so I'm not worried. And if it takes America falling on its face to get back to God, then amen. You know, I'm not going to worry about who gets elected. God's sovereign. God's in control. So we should not be going all over Facebook having political, sociological arguments. Let's just pray. God's in control. And even if he puts an Ahab over America, God can confront it. We're going to see that. Okay? So let's, let's steer away from that political mess. Let's just pray for God to lead our people. Amen? So Elijah 
went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria. So the Lord just stated two things. Sometimes, guys, the word isn't very long. Do you notice? There was only two things God said to him. The word of the Lord came to him and said, go, present yourself to Ahab. And two, I'm going to send rain on the land. That was it. Now Elijah had a choice, obey or not. He did. Let's see what happens. Verse 16, we'll jump ahead. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When he saw Elijah, he said to him, is that you, troubler of Israel? Now, wait a minute. Who is really the troubler of Israel? But I hope you understand, guys, that when we stand up for God, the world's going to consider us the troubler. Oh, yeah, you're not flexible. You make judgments about homosexuality. You're in the wrong. You're the troubler. Oh, you're pro-life. You, you think that we don't have a choice. You're the troubler of America. That's right we are. Good trouble. But you better be prepared, guys, as our country's going the way it's going. We're not going to be considered the helpers of America. We're going to be considered the troublers of America. Are you ready for that? But I do appreciate Elijah's response. Let's read on. I have not made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's commands and have followed the Baals. Now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. There's no doubt who Ahab thought was the troubler, but Elijah was confident enough to know who the real troubler was. And guys, even as things get crazy in our country or crazy in your life, let us remember who's really the trouble. It's not each other. There's an enemy that is opposing God. And he uses temptation, he uses sin, he uses pride, he uses the misuse of authority. He, he, he uses and influences the media to cause us to, to fight each other rather than him. And Elijah's basically saying, no, let, once and for all, let's have the confrontation. I want you to get all your prophets, all your voices, and I guess I'm the only one on my side. Now, he wasn't. If you actually read some of the scripture there, God had saved some people to the side. God's always in control. I'm not worried. But for the moment, it was 850 against Elijah. I don't know about you. I'd be a little nervous. Just a bit. But he put the gauntlet down and said, it is time to stop this. And let's find out for sure. What would the news, the headline said that morning in the paper? I always think of that. Like, well, you know, if I was an Israelite and I woke up that morning, I opened up. What would be on the front page? Ahab versus Elijah. God versus Baal. Confrontation at Carmel. I mean, what, what would the newspaper look like? I try to imagine that. I don't know if they had papers back then. It'd be hard to probably do enough on stone that many, you know what I mean? It'd be a little tough. But, I mean, a picture of what that must have been like waking up that morning. And you could just see as they approached the mountain. So let's see what happens. Verse 20, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel and assembled the prophets on Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, 
follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. We should not be surprised, guys, when there's confrontation, the majority will remain silent. We're conflict avoiders. So we should not be surprised as we step up for God, people may not rally to your side right away. But we still need to step up like Elijah, amen? Then Elijah said to them, Am I the only one of the Lord's prophets left? But Baal has 450 prophets. So I don't know if the 400 of Asherah showed up or not. Maybe they got scared, I don't know. But we know the ones from Baal are there. Get two bulls for us. Let them choose one for themselves and let them cut it into pieces and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. I will prepare the other bull and put it on the wood, but not set fire to it. Then you call in the name of your God, and I will call in the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. Then all the people said, what you say is good. See, Elijah's challenge is simple, and so is his ours. You have a decision. Stop wavering. You either choose God or you choose whatever other God there is, whatever other idol, whatever other passion. And I like the word that he uses, waver, because the actual Hebrew word is the same word for dance. So in other words, at first, Israel, they're dancing with God. They're dancing with God. It's an intimate, it's a close relationship. But then all of a sudden, they kind of look over on the other side, and, there, and there's this other guy. I don't know if it was Clint. Maybe it was, you know, Antoine. You know, he's doing this. And so we're over here. We're dancing with God. And like, I like that dance a little better. Hey, God, I'll, I'll, see, I'll be back. I'll be back. I'll go. Yeah. In other words, who are you dancing with? God is a jealous God, and he wants you to have no other dance partner. Your spouse wants you to have no other dance partner. Now, I need some training because I tend to step on my wife's feet, okay? But you've got to really think about this. Are we wavering? Are we dancing with other partners rather than with God? That's a great question. Too often, we do. Our devotion begins to be divided. God doesn't want you dancing with anyone else. So let's see what happens. 1 Kings 18, verse 25. Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose one of the bulls and prepare it first. Now, Elijah's no stupid guy. He lets them go first. It's outnumbered. Hey, I'll let you guys go first, even. Maybe that was to give himself time to go, God, you got to come through, man. (laughs) I don't know what he was thinking. Since there are so many of you, Call on the name of your God, but do not light the fire. So they took the bull given them and prepared it. Then they called in the name of Baal from morning till noon. I mean, this is a long time. These guys are devoted. They, they have emotions. They believe. Oh, Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. Ever happened to some of your dance partners? Seemed all good in the beginning. But then when the rubber hit the road, they left you on the dance floor. You're like that poor kid at the prom. Right? And that's what Satan does. He loves to entice you with new dance moves. 
And you get over there and you're, and you're forgetting about the real dance. And before you know it, you're the only one out there looking like a fool. Right? When you could have been dancing with God all along. That's what Satan does. But they were crying out. They were crying out. Nothing. I kind of have preached Elijah here a little bit. A little bit of, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, playing around with them. He goes, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Shout louder. Maybe you get more emotional. It'll make it more real. Surely he is a God. Oh, wow. He's just really putting it down now. Perhaps he's deep in thought. Or, or busy. And, and some commentaries think that actually means he's in the restroom. I, I'm just saying. Or traveling. Maybe is sleeping and must be awakened. Sometimes we even feel toward God that way, don't we? That's not our God. He doesn't sleep. He's not busy. He's omnipotent, omnipresent. He's everywhere, has all power. He's waiting to dance. But who are you dancing with? Who are you wavering with? So they shouted louder. See, sometimes when we feel like we're stuck, we just go more into it. We give more energy thinking that's going to make a difference. But it doesn't matter how much you put into zero. Anything multiplied by zero is zero. It doesn't matter how much you put in it. God's a multiplier. You, you put yourself to God, he can expand it. But if you're zero with God, you're going to get nothing. And you multiply your emotions and multiply your devotion to these other idols, these other dance partners. It's not going to make a difference. It says they even shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears. There's no question they're devoted. But devoted to what? They're sincere, but they're sincerely wrong. As was their custom until their blood flowed. And sometimes that's when we finally go, maybe this isn't the right dance partner. Like, why am I bleeding? <laughs> you know? Sometimes it takes, a, you have to see the blood, you have to see the damage before you go, whoa, wait a minute, who am I been dancing with? Yeah, there shouldn't be bleeding and dancing. The way I dance, maybe, but, you know, okay, there shouldn't be. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. You ever been there? Got to think about who are you dancing with? Why are you wavering? Who is your dance partner? Because we can put all this energy, we can get louder, we can have more emotion, we can be more devoted to it, but in the end it will always return empty. And it's so easy to do, even with good things, dance partners can fail you. I know our family's had to deal with a new dance partner, my school, going to a master's degree at ACU online. Uh, We've had a few bumps through that. Because there's this new dance partner in the house. And I'm the kind of person that I'm very focused. And that's a strength, but it can also be a weakness. And I don't have a, 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 a place where I can go to study, so I'm studying out in the open. And we had a couple bumps there with my kids. And, I mean, my wife's been super supportive, but I know it's, been a, it's an adjustment for her. Get, who's this new dance partner? And uh, we've had to have some conversations. I've had to think, okay, this is a good thing, but I've got to be careful it be, doesn't become the thing. 
There are other more important things. A degree is not going to get me to heaven. Relationships are. <laughs> you know? And so I, I've had to, to, to figure out how to, how to do that dance a little bit. I haven't quite figured it out, so pray for me. It's, it's definitely a humbling, sobering task. I don't remember how much you had to read in school. I mean, I'm having to read about 900 pages a week. I mean, it's like, and then you got to write like several essays and dialogue, and it's like, it's been awesome. I can't wait to share some of the stuff I'm learning. But we've had a little adjustment in our home. There's an extra dance partner. And so I appreciate my, my children voicing their feelings about it. My wife, very supportively and caringly, saying, we've got to work this out. Guys, we need help in our dancing. We have a lot of things pulling at us. And it's really hard if you do it alone. Amen? So let's see what happens here. In verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. They came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which was in ruins. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two seahs of seed. He arranged the wood, cut the bull into pieces, and laid it on the wood. Then he said to them, fill four large jars with water, pour it on the offering and on the wood. I don't know about you, but anyone living in Texas, that's not a way to do a barbecue. Like, what are you doing? The water... Do it again, he said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered, and they did it a third time. This three-time thing, man, it's, a, it's like a recurring theme in the Bible. Yes. Like three days, is three times, it's going to reveal something. The water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. So all day long, they were worshiping their God, getting even overly emotional, even to the point of shedding blood, nothing. And then it's Elijah's turn. And I appreciate what he did. He comes and he starts to build an altar. Think about that for a minute. They're a divided kingdom. He's trying to tell them, guys, your problem started way earlier. Your problem didn't start with Baal. Which, by the way, he hasn't given you rain in three years. You got to wake up. Your problem started when you divided from God's family. When you thought you knew better. When you followed a king or his teachings rather than God. And so he began to build and he made sure it was 12. What, what a little stab that must have been for the Israelites. And he put the 12 together and he built that altar. But then he's like, okay, I, I want you to know absolutely that the God I serve is the God of Israel. And I, I'm challenged by that example by Elijah. I mean, I would have thought, well, I'll just do the same thing the other people did. Guys, we can't imitate the world to get closer to God. We got to do more than what the world does in their devotion to their gods. Okay? We got to do more. God expects more. And I appreciate Elijah's like, no, that's not all I'm going to dig a trench. And he was the only one up there, so he's probably the only one digging it. And I'm sure the people are just like, what is he doing? We're going to look crazy to people. And he goes, okay, that's not enough. Come pour some water on it. I bet they're just going, come on. Because what they really needed was water. That would seem like a waste, right, in a drought? How much trust did Elijah have to have in God to use the very water that they're desperate for to prove that God is the God of Israel? See, we sometimes forget that part, the trust Elijah had to have. There were 450 prophets on that mountain with him. If this doesn't go well, he's dead, right? 
But Elijah believed. See, it's kind of interesting, guys. We often pray to God what we need, but sometimes God has to send fire before he sends the rain. Sometimes before God can give you what you really need, he's got to burn away the stuff that's interfering in your walk with him. I think that's interesting that God doesn't send water first. He sends fire first. And we got to be prepared for that. And so he has it poured on three times. Now, I could just imagine the anticipation. Like, what's going to happen? Now, he had a lot less time than the others, right? They had the whole day all the way up till the evening sacrifice. Guys, it doesn't take a lot of time to do what God wants us to do. We make it so much more complex than it needs to be. Let's see what happens. I love this. He wanted to make sure that only God could light that fire. Verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. What did the others do? All this work, and see, so often we, we get this, this feeling that we somehow have to earn our walk with God. We got to earn, we got to work. And the idols of this world, they make you work. They make you pay, and they leave you empty. God's just saying, just hold my hands and dance. It's real simple. You don't have to get, get all these moves and hurt yourself, especially as I get older. Just, just pray. I'm humbled by that. I think of how many years have we been looking for a facility? Yeah. A lot. Even to the point of setting blood. Oh, we, no. Oh, 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 oh. Finally, we go, we just need to pray as a region. Yeah. And on day 39, <laughs> day 40 of our prayer chain, boom. God gives us the north service and gives us a facility. Right. Why weren't we doing that sooner? <laughs> See, guys, too often we think we've got to earn God's blessing. No, we just need to go to God and pray. That's all Elijah does. But he prays a very specific prayer. And I want you to take note of this. Because if we prayed like this more, I wonder how many more prayers would be answered. Because think about it. O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. And I have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me. So these people will know that you, O Lord, are God. And that you are turning their hearts back again. He didn't say, God, light the fire. God, give me what I need. God, change this. Remove that. Forgive this. He prayed, whatever you do, God, however you answer it, whether it's yes, whether it's no, whether it's later, whether it's some other plan you have in mind, God, whatever it is, I just pray your name will be known. How different would our prayer life be if every prayer, that was the goal, rather than getting what we want? Do you think God's not just waiting to answer that? Because he wants you to know he's God. He's a jealous God. He's a consuming God. God, I don't want you going for these other dance partners. I'm the man. So you pray to me, you ask me to show that I'm the man, he's going to show it. You see it throughout the Bible. He always shows it. But too often, we're not praying that way, are we? When we prayed about the building, God, we pray it's your answer. That you'll give us what we need. You'll shut the doors where it's not. And he just did it. He showed he is our God. 
And not only did he give us a facility, we're saving $14,000 by the end of the year. Guys, that's amazing. God is an amazing God. Wow. Turning our hearts back to him. See, too often I think we turn our hearts back to God. No, God turns your heart back to him. This is why we absolutely need each other. Because God sometimes uses sinners to help your heart be turned back. God could have just done this by speaking to the people of Israel and gathering himself. But no, he chose Elijah. He chose a man to present the challenge, to say the prayer, and to use him to help reveal that God is God. You know, I love the democracies. I really appreciate what Chad shared today. You know, guys, we've all been there where we've struggled. We've done something we're ashamed of. We've done something that, man, it's hurt our family. But you know, that never made me look down on them. My love for them has nothing to do with their performance for God. In fact, my love for them just made me hurt with them. And I was so excited, though, their heart to repent their heart to be open, their heart to be in the light. And and they didn't have to go share it with everyone else, but they did. That's just their heart. So I love them, not because of performance, but because they have a heart for God. I hope we all have that kind of relationship. I, I hear it sometimes. It's like, well, just for every time I confess, I get beaten down. Well, then someone needs to speak up because that's not how it should be. When someone's confessing, that's already a huge step. Now, Don't get me wrong. Confession's not enough. You got to repent. Okay? But, man, when someone confesses me, that already shows me a a lot about their heart. They're willing to put their trust in even another sinner and to seek help. Some people, they're scared to come talk to me. They think I'm going to beat them up or something. Are you kidding? I I have this principle in my life. How much grace do I want? Just a little? 100%. So how much grace am I going to show people? 100%. So even though my brow makes you think I'm going to beat you up, don't, don't worry about it. I may look that way, but I'm actually kind of kind. Talk to my wife. She can be more scary, actually, because she's got that smile. It's like Bill. Bill just gets that little tear, and you're broke, man. You're just like, I just seem loud and, and, and angry. I'm not. I'm a nice guy. Okay? Now, it doesn't mean I won't bring the word. Okay, but I really hope, guys, we change that negative environment of being able to be open. And now I do understand everyone's got a different level of how open they can be and who they can be open with. But all of us need at least one person that we can be just blunt, open with and know that we're going to be loved through it. Amen. I pray for that for all of us and we will work on that. And you let us know if you're not feeling that we need to make some changes. Amen. I think that's super important. But God is the one who turns our heart back to him. God is working right now. No matter how you're doing, no matter what dance partners you may be struggling with, God has already have a plan to turn your heart back to him. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know when he's going to do it. But he's doing it. That's our God. So here's that prayer. You can just imagine the anticipation. Let's see what happens. Verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench.
these other guys all day long, dancing, shouting, cutting, nothing. Elijah barely finishes his prayer. Boom! That's our God. That don't make you wait forever. God will answer, and he answers powerfully. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. We're such fickle people. If I saw a fire come down and burn everything, I'd too be prostrate. The Lord, he is God. (laughs) Right? But that's our God, guys. So even when our society made me think we're the troublers, let's not fear. Our God is God. He will answer. That's a powerful showing of God being for his people. And he makes it very clear. That fire burned up everything. Because he doesn't want any residual dance partners. He wants one. He wants to dance with you and you with him. That's it. I think that's so incredible. Now imagine the moment on that evening news. What would the headlines have said the next day? Yahweh defeats Baal. God wins by fire. The Lord is God. The Lord is God. Now how did Israel respond? We've got to finish with this. 1 Kings 18.40 Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered there. You may think, well, that's kind of harsh. No, if you want to listen to the voice of God, if you want to dance with God and him dance with you, you can have no other voices. You can have no other dance partners. He wants total commitment because he's totally committed to you. Isn't that what we all desire? So, guys, if you have other partners, be prepared for the fire. It's coming. It's going to consume. And once you allow God to do that, you read the rest of the story, now he sends the rain. Sometimes the fire has to precede the rain. If you had severe cancer that was destroying your body, how much would you want the doctor to remove? <laughs> okay, There's someone who's experienced that. You wouldn't play around, well, just 85%. No, you want it all removed. Guys, we've got to remove all their idols, whatever they may be. And they can even be spiritual ones. Even in the church, we can make idols. We've got to make sure it is God and God alone. Amen. The spiritual drought had finally been confronted. And now the physical drought would change. God would send the rain, as he promised. And that's a whole other story. But doesn't this show that God is for us? I mean, look, how did God show he was for Israel in this story? He sent fire, and boy, did he. He sent the rain. But he also sent one other thing. He sent answers. He sent answers to Elijah's prayer. Guys, God has been sending us answers to our region. We got to remember that. Now, with every answer, though, may come more questions, (laughs) right? Well, well, what if we don't all fit together? We're going to have to have... You may have to. We've got to accept everything that comes with God's answer, right? We can't stop now and go, well, I don't like that part. You pray for God to answer. So when he does, you've got to accept everything that comes with it. With joy. With joy. Amen. I just want to make sure we're there. 
okay? He answers. And I know in this room, we need to probably share it more. How has God answered you? How has God shown he's for you? But we don't want to leave this morning without remembering, how did Elijah show he was for God? Because that's what we need to imitate. As we face those idols, as we face those distracting dance partners, how can we show we're for God? Number one, Elijah showed he was for God. He obeyed. Go to Ahab and present yourself. He did it. Provide the confrontation. He did it. He obeyed. I am absolutely sure there had to be some fear. One against 450 and possibly 850. But he obeyed. He prayed. Guys, that's how we show for God. Because we no longer rely on any other dance partner. We no longer rely on any other idol. And we go, God, we're just going to go to you. I don't need to dance. I don't need to shed blood. I don't need to shout. That's a good reminder for me. I just need to pray. And he prayed in a way that it wasn't about him. It was a prayer that glorified God. God, whatever you say, whatever you do, may it show that you are God. Man, if we all prayed like that, what kind of answers would God send? One, he would show that he is God. But he'd also answer some amazing things, amen? But I think the third and most important for all of us, he trusted. His life was on the line. Israel's spiritual life was on the line. But he trusted. He even had trusted so much, he's like, it's not enough just to make the altar. It's not enough just to put up the, the, the cow on there. I want you to drench it with water. I am so certain I trust God so much that nothing can stop my God. Nothing can stop my God from answering. Is that the trust we have today? I leave you with this verse in James 1, verse 6. Be sure, in the New Living Translation, that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver. Don't dance with anyone else. For a person with divided loyalty is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. If God is for us, oh, yes, he is. Do not waver. Amen. Amen.